That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion Thomas, I got a lot of messages About our toddler music episode People were upset uh, I left out Rafi. I left out Baby Shark. All kinds of stuff. More like your daughter left out all these artists. She's the one who's set the tone here. That's that's what I think people miss the point of. Like I've managed to happily avoid a lot of this in my own life. Last week's episode was not a celebration of toddler music. It wasn't the greatest hits. It was, this is what my daughter listens to on a daily basis. Let's get into it. She chose it. Yeah, they need to talk to her about it. Right. I'm not the Lester Bangs of toddler music. Can't wax poetic on the Wiggles, which actually sounds like a band Lester Bangs would cover. That's a bizarre intro, but uh, there's this interesting thing. I don't know if you've seen it. You're not a big TikTok guy. I know you hate the format, but uh, there's this controversy over a Big Thief song. Hmm. Have you heard about it at all? Nope. So they played this tune. It's called Vampire Empire on Colbert a while back. So people on TikTok got attached to it, right? And then they recently released a studio version, which sounds like, to my old ears, the studio version of a live song, which is just like, it's a little cleaner. The bottom end is better. Like, it's just, you know, sonically enhanced. They played it very similarly. Very similar. Like, the energy is very similar. Some lines that are different. Like, I mean, maybe there's a bit more energy in the live version, as is what happens. So now folks on TikTok are kind of learning about demoitis. Like TikTok is is coming around to understand demoitis, and they're pissed. Like certain lines are taken out, the instrumentation is different. Uh, Where's my flute? It's a really fascinating thing huh. to watch. They liked it best the first time, and it gets ruined if you change it at all while you're making the the full studio recording. I love seeing this stuff because it's like when it's like when Get Back came out, and people were like, "Oh, so much of that sounded like shit." <laughs> like every musician was like, yeah, <laughs> that's how it yeah. Goes. like it does until it doesn't like that's the experience. So it's, it's great, like sitting on the sidelines, watching this stuff kind of play out in the mainstream. And it's fun to watch TikTok kind of uh, come of age with the idea of like, you know, demo versus studio version. And it's also confusing because now people on Spotify will put like a song, a single, and they'll put like demo in parentheses, even if it's not mm. just because I don't know, it plays better if you're yeah, saying this is made screens. from home and it's unfinished. Right, so it's very complicated. More content up there. I'm glad you're keeping tabs on that because I certainly do not open that app up at all except to post. (laughs) It's stressful. We have a really nice episode for you today. Speaking of Lester Banks, (laughs) music criticism. Episode of what, you may ask? Right. guys got it in there. This is, of course, the podcast Losing My Opinion. I am software instrument tinkering indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin. I am hardware-avoiding indie musician Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. And on this podcast, uh, we surprise each other with (gasps) hot takes or weird perspectives or arguments. Uh, We come in here, nobody else knows what to expect. Mm -hmm. We have a guest today. We have a third. He's a a Massachusetts-based music writer. Work has been featured in a multitude of publications over the years, but he's currently a contributing editor at the venerable indie music institution Pop Matters. Uh, he's he's kind of a rarity in the world of music criticism these days. Like someone who's a a true supporter of indie music, not just like indie that gets slapped on so many different acts, but like actual independent music, like in every sense of that word. He immerses himself in scenes, pushes work he believes in. It's just generally a dependable source of amazing songs that you probably haven't heard of. So today, I'd like to welcome Mr. Chris Ingalls to the podcast. Hey guys. How's it going? Hey, hey, man. I hope I can live up to all that hype. Good to meet you, Chris. <laughs> um, but thank you, man. I appreciate that. It's very nice of you to say. I've been a music fanatic since as literally as far back as I can remember, because I'm the I have an older brother and two older sisters. So I was listening to like my sister's copy of Who's Next when I was probably like three, you know, like, you know, wandering around the house. So it's like it ended up just kind of being this thing that I became pretty heavily obsessed with. So can I ask? Yeah. Were you able to, this is unrelated to mm-hmm. anything, were you able to hear new music in the Navy? 
Yes. And if so, how? Well, because it, it, it was my job. So I, I just for I, I was in the Navy for seven years and I was a radio and television uh, broadcaster. I was I basically was like it was like Good Morning Vietnam. That was sort of was that was like that. I mean, it was, a, you know, it, I was I worked in Armed Forces Radio and Television Outlets overseas. And so it was literally my job. And. Um, I worked in, I did some, a lot of television work, but I also did a lot of radio work and I literally was like a DJ and had, you know, radio shows and, you know, not quite as crazy and unformatted as, as I would have hoped, but, um, we used to get music coming in and, 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 you know, I, I would occasionally find some interesting stuff that I would play, but a lot of it was, I mean, honestly, I was, I did a lot of like top 40 radio stuff like that, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, during those seven years, I was able to kind of, you know, somewhat immerse myself in new releases and, you know, I still read magazines and stuff like that. So um, I wasn't really shut off from any of that by any means. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I, when I saw, you know, because I know that, you know, because we, we saw sure, each other sure, on social sure. media. So I'd seen that that was part well, of your life. And I was like, how did he And, and the that? thing is, is that for two of those years, I was literally on a space station on an island in the middle of nowhere. I was stationed on, it's a very, you can look it up on Wikipedia, but I was stationed for two years on an island uh, in the Indian Ocean called Diego Garcia, which is an island that's actually owned by the British. And there was a lot of controversy that in the pre- internet world we were not privy to about uh you know the, the the brits coming over and saying this is a nice island shame for something you know somewhere to happen to it and next thing you know they displaced a bunch of natives but anyway i had nothing to do with that um but i was in on this base for like two years and it was in the middle of nowhere but we still got record shipments in and we were still able to read magazines and stuff like that so it was an interesting situation being stationed there and basically playing music for people who didn't have any other outlet for it. So, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was fun. And I think that what you guys are doing and I've, I've, you know, listened to a few of the episodes and I think that that kind of deep dive is, you know, kind of almost like going back to old school, you mentioned Lester Bangs earlier, and maybe that's a little bit extreme of an example, but I mean, the fact that you're just like really diving into the music and, and analyzing it, um, it really, I think that it's sort of like a, a, a throwback to that. Sure. And I and, and just so you know, I, I listened to the uh, McCartney episode uh, the other day, and uh, it was interesting because being a fan of his so being exposed to his solo work quite a bit um, as growing up, um, it was interesting. I mean, I think I like Wildlife better than the both of you do, but you know, that's <laughs> other than that, I think we're in we're in pretty good agreement about a lot of stuff. Um, but got a lot of heat for that. Did you really about that specific topic, or just or McCartney in general? Yeah, about that topic. I mean, people, you know. I mean, they, they, they go to the, go to the grave for that guy, and and I do too. I mean, I think he's one of the greatest oh, songwriters yeah, of yeah. all time, obviously. Yeah. But you know, it's just. I mean, I think that yes, he's made a lot of cheesy music, and he's he has done some. He has been you know guilty of lazy songwriting, but he's still incredible, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. If if yeah. nothing, he was maybe just a little bit too prolific. Yeah. Not unlike. The artists I'm going to talk about today with y'all. Oh, it's a good preamble. Mm, yes, indeed. I'm excited. Yep, I'm. Uh, I'm trepidatious today. Maybe, Chris. I'm very uh, excited and, and grateful to have you on today. But I, I, we might have pulled you into the deep end here. This, this could be a tricky one today. I can't wait. I don't quite know what I want to get out of this, but uh, maybe you'll you'll both help me organize my thoughts. Is this a fun one or is it a weird one? Uh, this is probably more of a weird one. But okay. I am, if nothing else, the artist I'm talking about today, we got to get out of the way, is one of the best of all time. I, I know you would agree with me, Matt. I'm pretty sure Chris would agree with me. In the singing-songwriting world, they're a top 10, maybe a top 5, just such spiritually powerful, transcendent art that they created. Um, but if I say their name, you're also going to go like, mm. The person we are talking about today, Van Morrison. Yeah. I'm in. Well, I'm in. I have, I, have a, I, have a, I have a lot to say, so that's great. You'll allow great. me to. Uh, Sir George Ivan Morrison of Belfast, Northern Ireland. Uh, we, we all love him. No more lockdown songs. <laughs> no more lockdown. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that old thing. But if we talk about, hey, every, every boomer musician who we like, you know, they had their... their their heyday, late 60s, 70s, I would argue Van had some good stuff in the 80s. You know, they had an immaculate run of, of albums. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, yeah. 
So I was in the car the other day. This is how myopically focused on this era of music my life is. I was in the car like three days ago talking about how Van Morrison's run of albums from like, I don't know, Astral Weeks through Vidon Fleece is like, I, you can measure it up next to oh, anybody. And, pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, he got into the music. I'm a big fan of Wavelength. Sure. Yep. Uh, the one he did with yeah. the Chieftains. Irish Heartbeat. Irish Heartbeat. Yeah. Yep. Irish Heartbeat is fucking great. Yeah. Powerful stuff. The guy had such an aura in his music. Like, there's nothing like Astral Weeks. We, we talked about it in a previous episode. But yeah. um, I also struggle to think of an artist who their music is so beautiful and their personality has always been so ugly or they've always just been such an ass. Like, is there anybody else who, to that extent, I mean, there's plenty of musicians that are dicks, but to make music that beautiful and then to just be (laughs) a crabby grouch their whole life, that's also very unusual, I would say. Yeah, I would would say, and and this is, is, you know, I have no idea what your reaction is going to be to this, but in terms of like great music, kind of a dick um i would personally put morrissey there yeah sure yeah well yeah morrissey is no i would say musically not on the level of van morrison no. and also no. way more of of an offense <laughs> yeah. i don't even want to get into his <laughs> oh yeah 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 some yeah. of his, no, I, his I quotes we could pull yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good that, that's good call though yeah <laughs> similar similar vibe there yeah i'm yeah it's also like because go ahead no, I, I was just gonna say i think that you know in high school, I was a huge fan of the Smiths and, you know, a lot of oh, yeah. people my age and, and, um, uh, you know, his move into his solo work, I think was consistently at a very high level for a while, not so much over the last few years. And I think that might be sort of in line with how his personality mm. sort of, you know, he basically became a grumpy old man and his music didn't really, wasn't, was sort of, you know, along the same lines. I mean, he hasn't really made a really great album in probably at least 10, maybe even 15 years. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just, but I think I think that, you know, Van, to your point, uh, much higher quality of music, maybe not so much of a, of a dick. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't exactly do a lot of interviews, but, you know, the whole COVID thing obviously was a, was a huge, uh, you know, that was a big red flag, I think. Yeah. He's more cr- crusty than anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, crusty, yeah. Prickly. He's a prickly pear. We are going to get into the COVID stuff because uh, that that was pretty outrageous. Are we yeah. only going to listen to the, those songs? With the the record project or whatever it's called? Yeah, we'll we'll get into <laughs> latest record project. Uh, no, I Great. so it's like, yeah, he's he's a very extreme figure in multiple ways in just the history of music. He's like psychologically impenetrable to me. I'm like, what is going on with this guy? Maybe, maybe we could call this segment "Analyze Van." <laughs> I'm trying to get an idea. Yeah. What's going on with this guy? And COVID happening and his response to the lockdowns in Europe and how outspoken he was. Boy, was he relentless with that. And we can get into the extent of uh, his 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 mission there. But just what's going on with this guy? That's that's my big question for today. I'm the, the best example of that. Yeah. And not answering that question, but it's like basically that question in a song is like, uh, listen to the lion. That's like, a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to be a lion now. <laughs> uh, and it's like, listen to me. It's insane. And it, it kind of works. And like, it's very listenable and it's, it's nuts at the same time. And it's like that to me, that song is like very, uh, emblematic of everything he is. It's like, uh, Owen Wilson and Royal Tenenbaums going wild. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy's always marched to the beat of his own drum. He was not a drug user, so far as I could tell. Pretty much, uh, I mean, he probably drank, but like, he's yeah. just been he's just been Van all these years. Oh my God, so many albums. Uh, I, I I looked it up today, with the exception of like a short span of time in the late two thousands, an album once every two years, sometimes two in a year. Up until now, like <laughs> yeah. you just he released one this year, one last year, the one blah, 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 blah. just nonstop. The guy's seventy eight now, so he obviously lo- he loves his craft. He loves to sing. He loves to share his art. Um, but something something's going on with this guy. Let's see. Before we get into the um, the post COVID stuff, and for those who don't know, he released uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, like 
three singles in a row that were all very lyrically explicitly like fuck covid lockdown measures like this is all garbage you're just believing in propaganda like very aggressively so and caught some attention around that time and then i think a lot of people forgot about him after that again but i'm just speaking for myself here but but it goes beyond that because i think he it's not like he didn't have the reputation as crusty before that yeah. <laughs> like everybody knew he was tough to deal with um and it was different. It's different than like a Lou Reed thing. Lou Reed let where, you know where he was at. He, he gave you warnings. <laughs> yeah. And also like it, there was something theatrical about what Lou Reed was doing, you know, with Lester Bangs and all that stuff. Like, you know, I do think it really was him, but I, I think he was also, it was somewhat of a game. I, I think with Van Morrison, I don't know that it's a game. Well, I, don't know, I think it might just be what he's doing. And, and I don't think you can blame it on like getting old because he's always been like that. I mean, always. Yeah. And, um, you know, just by reputation and, and, you know, there's, you know, he, he never really gave a whole lot of interviews, but going all the way back, the interviews that he gave, he's always been either evasive or combative or just bitching and moaning about the record Ir- business. Irritated. I mean, yeah, oh, he's record he, business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, and he would, any he, and he would write about, it. I mean, he, the guy's written so many songs about like, you know, the evil record business. I mean, he's not glad tidings. Glad tidings. Yeah. He does not seem to be a happy camper. Um, never really no. was. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start trying to break it all down here. Uh, as I said before, we get into the 2020s. I want to go back to one fateful day, whenever it was, sometime in 1967. Brown Eyed Girl had already come out and been a been a hit. Most people probably just know him for that, for better or for worse. But he was Van was trying to switch labels, get off of uh, I think it was Bang Records. Yeah, mm-hmm. get on to uh, Warner Brothers. Needless to say, there was a lot of animosity at that time with him trying to make this transition and, and get away from some, what I'm sure, what he would consider some bad dealings. Uh, he recorded 31 songs in an afternoon. I'm going to say probably in an hour. I don't know if you both know about this. Oh, yeah, the the, the contractual obligation album. I've only yes. heard about yeah, it. Yeah. I wanted to check sure. that out. He, like, just to fulfill the contract, it was all about quantity, not quality. So he's like, all right, fuck you. I'm going to make 30 songs. Here you go. Twist and shake, shake and roll, stomp and scream, scream and holler, jump and thump, (laughs) shake at Mabel, the big royalty check, ringworm, freaky if you got this far. Sounds like you're talking about the the new album. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is is from 67. Blow in your nose, nose in your blow, want a Danish, here comes dumb George, etc. I could go on, but... Uh, has any other artist been in a position where they had to do this? Like, what what's going on there? I mean, there was like here, my dear. Oh with yeah, Marvin Gaye. But but that's like a great. I, think I was going to really, say that's a good that's a good album. It's carefully considered. I mean, it's contractually obligated thing that was like a it was a response. But like, no, it wasn't dashed off. Yeah, like he's this. still that was like a legit album. He where he's he's yes. going over his divorce or something. Yeah, in that yeah, way. he needed to put that out. Sure, yeah. he put effort into making songs. This is just like all right, play the guitar for a minute. All right, next one. I'm out of here. Like, what is that? <laughs> I've never heard of that happening before or since. Yeah. That's good stuff. So naturally, I want to listen to one just to to get things going here. It's been, it's been, it's a long time's gone by. We haven't uh, checked out any songs yet. So do you guys want to hear? Just pick one at random. Here Comes Dumb George could be good. Let's, let's check that one out. It's 55 seconds. Sounds great. This is what we'll do with your tunes, Chris. We, we, he sounds like a screen sure, share sure. thingy. Sounds like something that Van himself would be really pissed about, too. I can't believe all the ads. <laughs> oh, you think you're getting that man onto a Zoom call? Think again. <laughs> yeah. Let's reach out to his people, see if he wants to do this. Turning my camera off. Not a podcast act. <laughs> Here come dumb George. 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 Everybody together in the chorus. Here come dumb okay, George. Okay, I think we okay. probably got that. I thought there was going to be more lyrics there, but all right. So we really George. put no thought into this. Boogaloo, baby. Here come dumb joy. Part of it is also like I'm kind of into it. Like I'm waiting to see where it goes. Are they all still, like that? Know? Where it's just yeah. like a single line? I think let's, so, yeah. Let's try one more. 
Yeah, let's go to, let's try jump and thump. Jump and thump now. <laughs> jump and thump. Yeah. Oh, he sounds bored. Move your hound. Move your hound. Jump and thump. Your hump. Move your hump. Jump and thump. Move your hump. That rhymes. Jump and thump. So it's this. So it's, it is this. Every Move song. Move your hump. Jump and thump. All right. So that okay. was. Okay. Yeah. That. yeah. So you gotta, you gotta admire his commitment to just not giving a shit. That'd get exhausting <laughs> after a while. <laughs> and how many? How many? Tommy it was like it was like uh, twenty songs or something. Thirty-one songs. Holy shit. Maybe thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-one. Thirty-one. I don't know what that was about, but I'm glad that worked for him. Clearly, he uh, <laughs> like we don't want to deal with this guy. <laughs> he went on to make Astro Weeks. You know what's funny? I actually wrote about this for Pop Matters because they they actually um, uh, they released it. There was a, a two disc set that came out probably about uh, five six years ago. And it was called like the Complete Bang Sessions or something like that. And it had yeah. the first disc was all like the good stuff. Like it had Brown Eyed Girl. It had you know Ro Ro Rosie. Ro Rosie. Yeah, which all fantastic. And then they yeah. tacked on that second disc, and it's mostly just like. Hey, this is funny. Check this mm-hmm. out. Um, and yeah, I think I, I think I might have wrote a few written a few sentences about those songs, but it, you know, didn't stick with that you. That's about it. Songs in quotation marks. The songs, yeah. All right. So fast forward now to 2021. We uh, somebody mentioned it very briefly earlier. Latest record project, Volume One. So there might be Volume Yay. Two coming up. You can only hope. Uh, like I said, Van Morrison. The guy never stopped putting out fucking albums. Probably more than McCartney. There's he's he's probably put out more than than Macca. For sure. Yeah. And um COVID happened in 2020. His uh his themes, his his lyrical topics got very focused on don't trust the government, the media's lying to you, all that stuff. Uh song after fucking song. This album is two hours long. Oof. Uh that's a lot of music. Like I said, he's he's almost eighty. And then he there was another album in twenty twenty two that just was <laughs> picked up right where that left off. Another hour of just hammering on the same things. Uh, let's listen to the the title track. Is this a joke? What is this? Like I, I just want to digest the song, which is called "Latest Record Project." I want to digest okay. this with the two of you. Let me know what, what sure. what's going on here. Right, ready. He should go on Joe Rogan. You think he would? That sounds like a good fit. Invermectin. Oh, he'd hate Joe. To his credit, he would not have the time of okay. day for Joe Rogan. Just they could talk about like elk meat. That guy would annoy the hell out of Elk meat sandwiches or. Have you got my latest record? Project, you got my latest record project. Not something that I used to do. His voice is still totally there, by the way. Not yeah. something that you're used to. Not something might be able to relate to in the present. What the fuck? Present. Okay. Have you got my. Yeah, we're a long Latest way from Madame George here, I think. Songs on. Put your fire boots on. Remember that? <laughs> you got my <laughs> yeah. It's got a choke thing going, you know. <laughs> songs on. Singing. So is this narcissism? Not something off the bat here, like. Sounds like he's just making it up as he goes along. I think it's like it's the improv. He drew back on the uh, the bank but session days. Something I can relate to in the present. It's just like really meta and exhausting. Alright. So well yeah, what what did we just see? What's going on here? Oh, my, how the mighty have fallen. It's it's sad. I mean, I, I think what happened is, you know, I think he's he's always, from what I can tell, he's always been like this in terms of his his views and his personalities, but it's finally like completely overtaken the art. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. How'd it happen? Uh, it's getting older. <laughs> I don't 
If he's losing his marbles, maybe. But like, he's he's the only. There's plenty of narcissistic, accomplished musicians that are old. Like, boy, I I am. I'm not seeing other people do stuff like this. Maybe Clapton. Well, but, yeah. I mean, if anybody's topping Morrison right now, it's Clapton. <laughs> Oh, he collaborated yeah, with like Clapton, a, yeah, by the yeah. way. Yeah, they're like the Captain and Sunil of like anti uh Slow Hand <laughs> yeah. and Van. That's what right, they're going yeah. by. But like, you know what I mean? Overall, it's like I'm not seeing this happen with other people. I mean, I think that other people, there's other people out there, especially you know, people from his generation who have those attitudes, but they're it's it's not really necessarily reflected in the music, unless there's someone I'm not thinking of. They keep it to themselves. Because they don't want to shoot their career in the foot. You know, like, can you imagine McCartney? We were talking about this the other the other day. Like, McCartney has kept it so tight for decade after decade mm-hmm. of not slipping up, not saying anything weird, you know, for the most yeah. part. And then, like, someone like Van Morrison or Eric Clapton, where it's like, this was sort of in them always, and now it's like, the inside's out, you know? I think that Paul has always historically been a people pleaser. Right. He just wants to make people happy. He doesn't want to make waves and, you know, who knows? He might feel the same way that Van does, but he's like, I'm not going to talk about that. You yeah, know, he's got self-control still. <laughs> Something Van lost it. I yeah. don't know. I don't know what's going on here. And like I said, this is two hours long. Volume one. Maybe a couple of songs. He gets off of it for a minute. But let me let me read you some other song titles here. Oh, he's got a song called Psychoanalyst's Ball. So I think he's on to uh-huh. us. Uh, isn't he have one called Why Are You on Facebook? That, that's a good question. I want to listen to that next. So thanks, thank you for thank you for teaming He's me not up, wrong, Chris. That's going to be our closer. <laughs> I think I think that's the best it, it, in terms of titles. That's like we're we're getting there. Yeah, I I got down the list and I'm like, all right, that yeah, we're going to check that one out. But yeah, it's like <laughs> stop bitching, do something. These are like Matt Farley titles. Big lie, the long con. Where have all the rebels gone? But he doesn't have he doesn't have one called not a podcast artist. Not a podcast artist. <laughs> that's coming hey. next. We should make that. We should do that with AI. We should make an AI version of that song. Oh, God. You can also, if you go to his official YouTube channel, he'll talk to you, him in front of a camera for 12 minutes about Robin Swan, some politician in Northern Ireland, and about how he's dangerous. And he's like rocking back and forth. And he's, he's scary. He could have been, he could have had a supporting role in The Departed, <laughs> uh, Mr. Van. Like he is an intimidating, well, when, he, when you can tell like he's like getting angry in the moment, like talking about something, it's like, oh, yeah, it's intense. Uh, check that out at your own um, discretion. But he does listen to to extend an olive branch to give him some credit. He does ask a very good question by the end of this album. Why are you on Facebook? Why are you on Facebook? Yeah. So is there still some of the the transcendent, uh, insightful, you know, van that we had back in the good old days? Is is any of that left? Is there anything up in his noggin that's still worth? given some attention to. So let's check out Why Are You on Facebook. I'm not wrangling many new listeners with today's topic, I'll tell you. (laughs) Why are you on Facebook? Why do you need second-hand friends? These are good questions. Why do you really care who's trending? Or is there something you're defending? Is Get it alive. Not empty and sad? I mean, he's making some good points. Are you something you can't have? You kiss the girls and run away. Now you won't come out to play. Why you want Facebook? This one, this one's a bit better. There's like more to it. Why you want Facebook? And there's like an actual chorus to it. Why you want Facebook? Why you on Facebook? Why you on Facebook? Why you on Facebook? Yeah. Why you on Facebook? Did you miss your 15 minutes of fame? Or do you not have any shame? Or is it something to twist? You know, yeah, I, I agree with. A lot of what he's saying, but here's the problem that I have with this sentiment that he has developed now that yeah. he is rich and famous. He had issues with every perceived tiny slight <laughs> in his early days of why am I not famous enough? You know, are people taking me seriously? The only person on my level is Dylan. You know, all that stuff. And to, to have a line or whatever it was in this Facebook song, like, you know, why do you care about who's trending? It's like he only cared about that 
for a while. And then when he succeeded, yeah. okay, now he can pretend that he doesn't care about it. But like, I just, I don't buy That's that part of the sentiment. You know, he doesn't care what's popular. It's like he really badly wanted to be over. Well, the fact that he's putting out so much music at such a steady clip, I mean, he obviously is, he's, I think, interested in being part of the conversation, I would think. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Why else release music if not to attract attention to like you and what you're doing? I, I seriously doubt it needs the money. No, do know? what Prince did. Just put him in a vault somewhere. Um, I wonder if he's going to be, if he's next in line to uh, sell his catalog, like all these guys have been doing. I wonder how much, Ooh. and I wonder, I wonder how much he would get for it. I'm curious. Probably yeah. a lot. Not as much as Springsteen. Did his recent oh, actions kind of tank it a little bit too? He's still touring extensively and 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 packing places from what i understand but uh i think it's he's like to match your point he's not making any new i don't think he's making any new fans it's the boomers are going out to see him in droves i I think that's probably it um he also doesn't have the mega hits of a springsteen or a bowie or a dylan or you know like he he has some mega hits but like not a time yeah. you know you get past brown eyed girl it's like how many songs can we really say are at that level like radio hit wise yeah, commercially. Well, I also think that, in a sense, he's he's kind of shot himself in the foot over the years because of the fact that, I mean, one of the things that Springsteen has going for him is the fact that he has such a, you know, everybody loves the guy, not just his music, but he's got this winning personality and everything. And and Van is just, he doesn't want to play the game. And I think as a result, I, he probably hasn't had as much popularity as somebody like Springsteen because he, he tends to, to shun it to some extent, I would think. And then he does stuff right. like this, which I'm sure just makes it. Right, exactly. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what he needs to do is he needs to get down to like maybe 10% body fat, pack on some muscle, some lean muscle onto that frame. Like follow Springsteen's go on Joe Rogan, follow, go on Joe Rogan, talk about elk meat. <laughs> I would not in the least be in the least bit surprised if he ended up on Rogan. That would, that, that feels that right. Seems very much in line. It feels That's, right. That seems like the next yeah. move. He needs to go on Rogan, or he needs to go on that that Bill Maher thing, that Club Random. Or oh whatever. no, yeah, that's that. it. Yeah, forget Rogan. <laughs> he can't last two hours or whatever. Club Random, he'll be falling out of his seat. Twenty <laughs> minutes seat, in, getting getting baked and talking <laughs> yeah. about uh, conspiracy theories with Bill Maher. That's what how, are that's, we talking yeah. about again? You see Tim yeah. Tim Heidecker's uh, content that he's putting out. He's making fun of him. That's good stuff. Yeah. Was it was it Dre- Richard Dreyfus who was literally like falling? Richard Dreyfus was not safe to drive home. Yeah, that was, and he started talking about like. <laughs> being attracted to his sister yeah it's oh, a whole man. anyway i could see van on club random sure but whatever the hell this was i i, I don't know i feel like i'm i'm leaving here with more questions than answers 100 percent. yeah i don't even know what we were talking about it that's <laughs> the nature of the van go go back and listen to moon dance or saint dominic's preview love that record yeah man. i think i think the, the the thing that really is is the the hardest thing to 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 sort of deal with with this whole situation with him is the fact that i mean the guy's got, like you said, this catalog of just unbeatable records throughout, you know, and, and, you know, you, you'd mentioned Into the Music. That's a great album too. I would even go so, uh, so far as to say, I think the last album that he made that really blew me away was actually in 97. He made an album called The Healing Game, which was fantastic. I don't know that one. Um, yeah, it's, it's got some really good stuff on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Astral Weeks, Vietnam Fleas, you had mentioned is one of my favorites. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, moon dance, of course, but yeah, that's the thing is that seeing someone who had such a, you know, artistically was was at such a high level, and oh, it's too late to stop now. I have to yeah. mention that, which is I think one oh of, that live record, one yeah. of the one of the greatest live albums ever. And uh, you know, Matt, I know you're a big Sam Cooke fan, and he does a version of uh, uh, Bring It On Home to Me that's just like, you know, nobody can beat Sam, but he came pretty close. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of, you know, the, 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 that peak era and, uh, it's unfortunate. It really is. It's, you know, we can laugh about it, but at the same time, I'm kind of sad about it. Too. It is sad. It is sad. Especially when, when it's, somebody does stuff that is that transcendent. Like there's a song he has called TB Sheets. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite mm. songs of his. And it's like a very much, it's something that could have ended up on Astral Weeks. You know, there's not a lot of his tunes outside of that record that could have been mm. on there. That one I think could have been, that's, I think it's on his first record. And it's like, I had never, I still have not heard anything like that song. So like when you have that level of talent and then you mixed it with this like curmudgeonly kind of like basic ass <laughs> statements you're sort of like how is this pot it's almost frustrating because like how is this possible that these two things can coexist within this human being but like 
it's what it is, right? Like we can't attribute some sort of godliness to somebody who has this level of talent. Like they're still human. So <laughs> you got to take it all. So best, best favorite Van Morrison album, anybody? Oh, that's Sophie's choice picking between Astral Weeks and Moondance. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like Astral Weeks and then whatever second. So really I'm talking about second. I would say St. Dominic's Preview or, or Two Below Honey. Those records I... Okay. Yeah. Mm. I would I would say Astral Weeks for me too, but I would say probably Beat on Fleece, very close second. Yeah. Um, and, and if we're counting live albums, which sometimes people feel weird counting, uh, It's Too Late to Stop Now is just like every square inch of that album is just like so much... It's just incredible. So, uh, and that was all like 50 plus years yep. ago. So he's got like eight or nine stone cold classics, which is, it's crazy. He's up sure. there with the, the, the best of them in terms of like number of classic records. Good, good, good all the way through. Mm-hmm. Appropriately enough, his very latest album from 2023 is called moving on skiffle. He's, he's back to covers, back to his roots, back to like fifties style. So he's, he's moved on. Maybe we can move on. Uh, Chris, what have you been listening to this week? Losing my opinion. So Matt was asking me what we should, what what I wanted to talk about, and there's obviously a whole bunch of stuff I'd love to talk about, especially with people who geek out about music as much as I do. Um, one of the one of the artists who I think I've been a consistent fan of for uh, since I was a teenager um, what is Bob Dylan. And so, um, Bob, who I, I didn't catch uh, that name, uh, Bob D- Jacob's dad. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The guy from the Wallflowers, he can apparently his dad wrote a few oh, songs. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the things that I think is great about Dylan is not only you know the sheer volume of the music that he's made, but the fact that he has. Uh, such an interesting career and has done so many weird things and so many great things. And, and, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many books have been written about Dylan, but I mean, it's in all honesty, probably like dozens, hundreds, Um, hundreds, hundreds. Gotta be at this point. Um, And I think that with every artist who is sort of in that category comes a lot of strong opinions that people have. And I have, I, I thought it would be interesting for me to talk about, unpopular my my unpopular bob dylan opinions Ooh, lay him on us yeah i have a lot of i have a lot of popular dylan opinions i think that you know my favorite album of his is blood on the tracks yes yes it is that is the, correct the the only it's one of a very few al- uh, albums that i know of where in my opinion every single song is fantastic um it's not like one song is better than no they're all fantastic mm-hmm. every one of them um but I also have weird opinions, and um, that's what we're here for on this show. One of them is that, and I don't know if this is necessarily controversial, but it—I have never been comfortable with referring to Bob Dylan as a protest singer, mm. um, because I think that that's a very small part of what he does, and I think that he probably gained a lot of notoriety through that type of songwriting. But when you when you add everything up, I mean, it really is especially like once he went electric, I think the protest songs started to dissipate and I'm fine with that. It's not like I have a problem with it. I just think that to refer to him, to refer to him as a protest singer is like referring to Stephen King as a horror novelist. He's written a lot of horror novels, but that's, he's also written a lot of stuff that's not in that genre. And I think that with Dylan, even more so, um, I think that he was, he's always been kind of reluctant to be considered a protest singer, or to be considered like a voice of his generation. He's always shied away from that. And I've always thought of him more as a bluesy surrealist. Mm. Um, a lot of his songs have a very distinct blues pattern to them. I mean, you two are the musicians. You could probably back me up on this, but you know, there's a lot of blues structure oh, to yeah. the songs that he's done. And a lot of his songs don't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, like Tombstone Blues, I think is a perfect example. None of that shit makes any right. sense. And he's not protesting against anything except a coherent narrative. <laughs> Something that I feel about him that I've always, you know, when people say he's the voice of a generation. Well, first of all, I don't think he ever wanted to be a voice of a generation. And he has a handful of amazing protest songs. Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll is probably yeah, my favorite protest song ever written. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, years after that, he wrote Hurricane, which I think is, you know, one of my favorite songs yeah. of his. It's a it's it's a great protest song, but it's also just it's the 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 atmosphere behind that song. It's like it's like a thriller. I mean, it's really incredible. But um, yeah, I really just think of him as somebody who's he's almost more like someone like Tom Waits, who just writes songs that have this sort of like kind of a weird feel to them that don't necessarily make a statement. They're just it's just art. Right. He's got know? more of those songs um, than he has like the historical finger pointing songs, you know, that's oh, yeah. a very small snapshot yeah, I, of his life. Yeah. And, and I think he did a lot, like I said, he did a lot more of that kind of stuff early in his career. And I think that once he kind of was starting to feel his feet, he's like, yeah, I'd rather, you know, not really be known for that. And, and that's, you know, that's, and then that brings me to one of the most controversial opinions is the fact that, you know, he made an album in 1970 called Self-Portrait. Oh, yeah. Which has Everybody been universally... Everybody hates that record, yeah. Universally revived. Everybody, except me. What? Um, Wait, I what? love that album. Chris, I got complicated feelings See, about I, this, but let me, hear your, let me hear your thoughts on it. I want to I hear all of these complicated feelings, but I, I also feel that... Um, the, the one thing everybody knows about like people's feelings about self-portrait was, you know, when it was reviewed in Rolling Stone magazine, when it first came out, so it was Grail Marcus, who his infamous review of self-portrait began with what is this shit? That <laughs> was good. literally yeah. like the first line That's of the good. review. And, <laughs> um, and a lot of people felt that way. And I just, I feel like in my opinion, it's, well, I think you also have to put the album in context because, um, I think what he's said in interviews is that he had this reputation leading up to self-portrait of being this sort of infallible yeah. singer songwriter. And he was, you know, against his will, somewhat the voice of his generation. He was making album after album of just like albums that people were just eating up. And I think he felt a tremendous amount of pressure and didn't want to be the voice of his generation. And then he, it was a bit of, I think, career sabotage. I mean, deliberately on his, on his, uh, behalf to make something that people would just be repulsed yeah. by, and it worked. It did work. <laughs> like, let me shake off a few ten thousand fans. Exactly, so and I go think to a restaurant he, in peace. He also said something to the effect of, "Well, he was hoping that people would leave him alone, but it backfired because they just wouldn't let go of it. <laughs> they got mad, and so he was like, then then it just got worse because all the controversy that erupted." But, didn't it kind um, of rattle? Didn't it you know, rattle? It's an like he he made New Morning, like he pumped that out pretty fast. Well, that's like a smoother record. That's a good album. He made New Morning. New Morning came out about like five months after Self Portrait, and he was already starting to work on New Morning before Self Portrait came out. In fact, I think the sessions kind of overlapped a little bit, which is interesting because New Morning everybody loves that album, and with good reason. I oh, think yeah. it's a fantastic yeah. album, but. In a lot of ways, there's some overlap in the styles, kind of, and um, everybody loves New Morning, everybody hates Self-Portrait. I think part of what people didn't like about Self-Portrait is the fact that there's a whole bunch of covers on it, and here's someone who is known for being one of the greatest songwriters ever, and he's covering The Boxer, and he's covering Blue Moon, and everyone's yeah. like, Grail Marcus, like, what is this shit? But I think that if you sort of take the album as just sort of like a diversion, I think it works. I mean, I really, I mean, it's not, you know, there, it's not every song is a winner, but I think that it's, it's an interesting album. It's an interesting direction that he took. And I think that there was so much pressure for him to keep making the same record over and over again. And he just didn't want any part of it. And another thing is that the album that he made right before self-portrait was Nashville skyline. And there's a lot of parallels between Nashville skyline and self-portrait. I think that they're very similar in a lot of ways. And again, people love Nashville Skyline. So I don't really understand necessarily why people, mm. I think people should have at the very least appreciated the fact that he was kind of branching out, doing something a little different. That's my take. I'll give you that the cover, well, not cover, I guess alternate version, live version of Like a Rolling Stone that's on self-portrait and he's singing like it's Nashville Skyline. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I kind of enjoy that like different take on you know his song is his kind of calling card song i don't remember the rest of it really making a positive impression on me it's kind of like i don't know i don't feel like i want to have to make excuses for him it's like either come on like mm -hmm. bring your mm -hmm. stuff that's like worthy of my time or attention or if you're not going to yeah. do that if you're going through some like self-analysis career move thing it's like 
I'll wait. I'll wait till you come back with smart. Like I don't need to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's my time too. Yeah. But you, you're, no, I, you're, I get you it. go to the, so far as to say a significant amount of the songs. There's, there's some good. There's meat on those bones. They're, they're good lessons. I think so. Can, which one would you recommend we check out? Okay, so I think the one that I, the one that I think might be a good one is, is Copper Kettle, and this is a cover, and I think that it's interesting in that it kind of echoes a little bit of what he was doing with. Nashville Skyline, and it had this kind of pastoral quality yeah, to yeah. it. Some really interesting strings. It's, you know, it's not it's not latest record project, you know, quality. Sure. But it's, what um, what what is? <laughs> oh, if we could only be so lucky. What, but what but, is? Yeah. So I, I like it. I'm with you most of the way, Chris. I'm with you most of the way. The only okay. thing that right. I'm not totally with you on is, and this is one of those Dylan things. Have you heard another self portrait? Yes, the bootleg series. Yeah. Why not? I mean, there's so much good material there. There are some yeah. definitely some choices that could have been made to swap out some of the the Agreed. weaker stuff. Agreed. Like I was going to get into another self portrait, and, and yeah, and I think that I think what a lot of these bootleg series volumes are helping to do is bring some appreciation for the era that it's represented yes. that may have been ignored. And I think that another self portrait did that, and if, I think it did that almost to a fault, where it's just like to your point. Why didn't you do more of this? Because <laughs> yeah. it, it, it another self portrait is like a better it version is, of self portrait. It is. There's a perfect album in there. Like you could carve out yeah. a perfect album. It's yeah. perfect ten songs easily. All right. Yeah. Well, this is from the the original self portrait here, Copper Kettle. I will admit I have not heard any of these songs in probably ten years at this point since I last touched base with uh, touch base. Since you last took the plunge. Yeah. Who knows what'll happen here? I'm I'm trying to remain <laughs> open minded. Okay. Get you a copper kettle Get you a copper coil Fill it with blue-made corn mash And never more you'll toil just lay there by the juniper While the moon is bright Watch them just And feel free to speak your mind, I won't be offended I, I hear the Nashville Skyline thing that you're talking about I, I, I never heard that it before It sounds like, yeah. uh, if there's a poor boy in the street he can have my tonight. I'll be staying here with you. It's like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a great song. This sounds like a rough draft of that song that you wouldn't end up releasing because you're like, oh no, I can do a better version. And we haven't got to it yet. We we may not get to it, and that's fine. But uh, the strings come in later, and it's a very yeah, yeah, like those like Paul Buckmaster, you know, those like uh, like uh, like Moonlight Mile. Yeah, there's the strings, I think, right there. We'll just lay there by the juniper. It's different, but again, this sounds like something from Nashville Skyline, and, and Nashville Skyline was a great album. It's, yeah, I, I think my thoughts have calcified on this. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I dig it. I dig it enough. I, I do. I feel like there are, on the whole, like stronger versions of these tunes throughout another self-portrait. That's just true with the bootleg series, though. Throughout, where I'm just kind of like scratching my head true. most of the time, like, why was this not like that version of Mississippi? Like, yeah, it's like yeah. one of my favorite things he's ever done. Like, and it's just buried, you know. And, and I feel like there are a lot of even the version of Copper Kettle that's on another self-portrait. I think I prefer. Mm-hmm. But I, I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying, yeah. and it's like that. It's like that wigwam vibe too, where it's just like I can yeah. see people being perplexed because it's it's that element of Nashville skyline. It's like the country politan sound, and him like leaning fully yeah. into that now. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you've heard it before, but in 1973 there was an album that came out that was just called Dylan, and that was a contractual obligation album. And what happened was I think um, Dylan left Columbia and joined Asylum, which is David Geffen's label. And he, I think he owed Columbia one more record. And they were, Columbia was like, 
well, we hate you for leaving us and we're going to put out this one album that you're going to hate us for. That's all the worst stuff. Well, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's self-portrait outtakes. It's self-portrait. I'm sorry. It's self-portrait and new morning outtakes and it's all covers. And um, it's worth checking out just as a curiosity. And, you know, Matt, you were talking about another self-portrait. One of the songs on there is a version of Spanish is the loving tongue and was originally on Dylan and the one on, Another self-portrait is much better. It's beautiful. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and he the covers he does on Dylan, it's it's he does Big Yellow Taxi, which is, you know, kind of mind-boggling. A, a crazy combo. You don't need it. Why are you putting that out? Why are you charging people money for that? That's the part <laughs> oh, I can't that's get nothing. behind. And that's it's like, like he does Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles, that's is, the best one. Yeah. These were covers of contemporary songs at the time, when you think about it. I mean, Big Yellow Taxi, Mr. Bojangles, and that would be like, you know, Jeff Tweedy making an album of right. Jason Isbell songs. I mean, I, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's not like, hey, remember this chestnut from Joni Mitchell? <laughs> the song just came out. Yeah. And I realize I'm like, you know, fighting against my own case here. But again, I I like to think of self-portrait as an as an entertaining diversion. Mm. And the fact that they basically just slammed it. I mean, he's made worse albums than that. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Maybe not at that point, but he would go on to. Oh, make, yes, he would indeed. You know, down in the groove and uh, what was it? Knocked Out Loaded. That was kind of crappy. I mean, we don't have to talk about a lot of the stuff that he did in the 80s, but uh you know, everybody made their share of shitty albums in the 80s. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I ex- totally agree with you that like what, things like what we just heard, totally continuing on stylings and approaches yeah. from past albums that people liked and that I like. But it's, it just comes back to the idea of putting out something that's not up to a certain level of quality just because or because you're, you're trying to do some statement or, have some other idea about what it's going to accomplish for your career. Meanwhile, people, you know, rightfully so are like, okay, the new Dylan album, I want to take what's, what's, what's the next artistic Yeah. to put it forward like that, I think is a little unfair. That's the part that's going to be kind of my my sticking point. I mean, you could, you could also, that's true. That's fair. But also you could, you could raise the question of like, what obligation does an artist have to his fans? I mean, I mean, that's a really that's huge a big one. Yeah. question. <laughs> that's a great, that could be a segment all its own. But if you're charging people money, you want to give them something of value. That's where I'm coming from. And, and they didn't have Spotify back then. They couldn't sample oh, the Oh, unfortunately. If only. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's kind of like going back to Springsteen. And for some reason, we keep using him as a reference point for each of these, these wackadoos that we're talking about. But like, <laughs> you know, Springsteen, uh, yes, he's a true artist, but also... Like he would not do something like this. Like even Nebraska is like of a, I love that record, but it's of a certain quality, yeah. even as four track demos. Dylan, he always lets you know vaguely who he is. It's not somebody who's a man of the people. You know, like he's, he, he's yeah. I don't think he's ever been interested in making sure you're getting your money's worth with a record. I think he's just kind of always right. doing his well, thing. And sometimes it clicks with the mainstream and uh, mostly it doesn't outside of the 60s. But, but I think that Springsteen is, it's like McCartney. He's a people pleaser. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, he, he, he's there for his fans. And and one of the things that I've always loved about Dylan is he has a certain level of mystique about him where you never know what he's going to do. And, and, and I think that that's, in my opinion, that's a positive yeah, thing. That's the Van Morrison effect too. It's like, he's, he's making his own decisions. It's exactly. For him. And that's what I, that's yeah. And, 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 you know, you're right. Springsteen would never do something like that because Springsteen, you know, is he's he's a people pleaser, and I say that like it's an insult, and it's not. I mean, he's 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 very fan friendly and and all that, and that's all been documented. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Dylan. One of the things I love about Dylan is his unpredictability. It's kind of like Neil Young, um, and that's a whole other topic right there. Go yeah. back to our uh, <laughs> trans talk. Yeah, did you guys do a thing about trans? Yeah, oh, yeah, I can't believe I missed oh, that. Oh yeah, we did. That, we don't have time to get into that pro, one. Right so now. pro or con? Probably con. It's on. It's pretty uh, whack. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Chris, you have an, a Dylan opinion that I have never heard anyone uh, espouse, and it is related to the religious years. I mean, I was I was surprised to, to read it. Oh man, we're coming up on the the gospel period now, are we? Well, let me just say first of all is that these these unpopular Dylan opinions should not be considered sort of like you know it, it's making it 
I love Highway 6200 Visited. I love sure. Blood on the Tracks. I love all the stuff that everybody loves, but I'm also, I'm a lot more open-minded about Dylan. I think that a lot of people are. I tend to give him a lot of slack because I'm just a huge fan. So, so yeah, so he briefly converted to Christianity in the late 70s, made three somewhat unusual albums, um, Slow Train Coming, Saved, and Shot of Love. And a lot of those were imbued with a lot of very heavy doses of Christianity. Um but I also think that while there is certainly a lot of stuff on those albums that should be rightly ignored, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff in there if you dig deep enough. And I think that, um, you know, Slow Train Coming was the first of those three. It was it was made in uh, Muscle Shoals. It was produced by Jerry Wexler. He had a great bunch of musicians behind him. Mark Knopfler, oh, yeah. you know, fresh off the first Dire Straits album, uh, played lead guitar on it. And... Some of the stuff on those three albums, when they're not like directly talking about, you know, you got to come to Jesus, et cetera. <laughs> at the very least, he talks about there's like religious imagery and there's, you know, it's it's more of that kind of stuff as opposed to direct like preaching. Which he's done um, before. And no, I which think, is, is you, you see it on uh, um, John Wesley Harding. There's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I think John Wesley Harding is a little bit more like historical like storytelling or whatever um you know and i think that there is like i said he is a little bit pushy with the with the with the jesus stuff on these albums but there is some some exceptions i think that the quasi title track from slow train coming i think is a really good example of just a great sounding band some really really good lyrics that are a little bit cranky there's a little bit of a van morrison <laughs> sound to some of the lyrics in that song but it's very well this done gotta serve somebody it's not gonna serve somebody i'll be honest with you i hate that song oh, man <laughs> it made me the devil oh well i i think i'm a little bit more with you on this one chris in the sense that like yeah. there's some fine numbers uh scattered yeah. throughout these three albums solid rock that's sure. okay Solid rock is I love that song. I mean, and it's and it's a, it is it is a very heavily religious song. I mean, if you listen to they did a bootleg series on this whole era called uh Trouble No More, and it's almost all live stuff. And he even does like a little bit of testifying before the songs, which is Ooh, really kind of awkward. <laughs> um but solid rock I love and slow train I love. Um Room Still Waiting at the Altar from Shot of Love oh, yep, is I yep. think is and and again that's a song that has a ton of religious imagery but it's not really a you know i don't know i don't know how to explain it but uh it feels more storytelling e i haven't heard it in uh, a while but yeah and it's kind of abstract too yeah. you know which is kind of going back to like you know desolation row and stuff mm -hmm. like that to to kind of take a sample from this era to sort of see if we can appreciate it a little bit more what song would you pick to check out here i think i think slow we have slow train, train yes, to get up that, right, uh, now, right put in the chat yeah all right. All right. Slow train it is. I do like Covenant Woman. That's a good song. That's on Shot of Love, right? I believe or... so. It's actually on Saved. Fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, we'll start from the beginning. We're going to delete this yeah. and start from the top. From the top. Bass. You can do a lot with a good bass. There's a love down in Can't help but wonder what's happening to my companion. Are they lost or are they found? Have they counted the cost it take to bring down all the earthly principles? They're gonna have to abandon. And there's a slow, slow train coming. I'll be round a bit. That's just nice. That's just good, clean fun. Slick. Yeah, definitely had a great band behind him there. I mean, I think you made the right choice of going to uh, Muscle Shoals and, and working with those guys. He always knew how to pick people. And the thing is, is that everybody, like, he could play with anybody he wanted to. You know, he was in a position where anybody would say, Dylan, sure. 
was a little bit of Mark Knopfler going like, ah, oh, why'd I catch him during this Jesus period, though? <laughs> All right, I guess. Would have so. been nice to play on Planet Waves, even. Or, you know, Desire would have been great. I read an interview with Knopfler where he, when he was hired, he had no idea what he was getting into. When they started doing the songs, it's like, oh, oh. they're like all about Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, um, it's funny because it's just like the, the 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 vibe of that particular song. I was listening to it this morning, and I remember thinking to myself, I could picture like Sturgill Simpson doing that song, you know, oh, something like yeah. that. It's got that kind mm. of, you know what I mean? And um, but again, I think that I think that as a whole, those three albums, you know, there's a lot to complain about. But I also think that they, you could make a single yeah, yeah. album out of those three and a single album of like really good stuff. So I think that my, my beef is, is that I think that that era is ignored where I think it should at the very least be, you know, uh, tried out, you know, okay. cause there's some good stuff. That's in a there. modest argument. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're losing people with that. You, you didn't really have me with the first one, but I'll, I'll get on board for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll take what I can get. I'll, I'll get on the train, get on the slow train. <laughs> What did we learn today, Thomas? What did we? I feel like we learned a lot in this episode. I don't. I don't quite know what we learned about Van Morrison. He's sort of more perplexing than ever. We we lost knowledge. On we didn't Van change it. We didn't change hearts and minds with Van Morrison. No, but no. Uh, certainly with Dylan, you know, I learned there's a lot of different ways to uh, to approach him, to think about him. It's it's good to have it all there. None of it's telling you to ignore government protocols. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, I don't know if you've seen that movie. I'm not there, but like I, I haven't seen it. No, I think you'd love it, Chris. I, I feel like it's. I think I would it too. Really encapsulates him well, and that he's just like sort of unknowable, and he's a chameleon. He's all yeah. these different things, and he can coexist as all these different things. And like that's kind of what's great about yeah. him is that you don't know really what he is, and maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. And, and I think that's kind of, I feel more of the same today after hearing all of that. Cause it's like, you know, I, I hadn't listened even to um, planet waves in a while. And I put that on the other day and I was like, Oh, this yeah. is really good. And it's just like, you know, you, you kind of fixate on like the boomer classic era of Dylan and there's so much more out there. Uh, and I think oh, yeah. even looking at the religious tunes, it's uh, yeah, still there. Still got it. And I think a lot of his, he has, um, there's albums of, you know, right after the the trio of religious albums, he made Infidels, which mm. I think is terrific. And that was that was actually my gateway to Dylan, because that was when that album came out, I I read an interview with him and that kind of like got me into him. So it's sort of there's a it, there's a bit of a sentimental attachment I have to that album, but it's 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 pretty terrific. And, you know, I mean, he's just like everybody, he's got hits and hits and misses, yeah. but um and he's still touring. Yeah, he's too. not going to stop. I haven't gotten into this. He's going he's gonna to drop down on. He's, he's going to die, die on stage. stage. I haven't yeah. gotten into this. The three uh, Sinatra records, or however many, I haven't broached that. But it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's it is what it is. I'm not a huge fan, but I, I tolerate it. I think it's an interesting diversion. Is it I guess better than the Rod um, Stewart series, there probably. Oh God. <laughs> And everybody, everybody does that. It's just, I think that Dylan Gash is just gal. like, you know. He does it his way, though. <laughs> he does it his but way. Chris, have you heard the Christmas album? Yes, I have. I That's heard like the... one of our earliest episodes. Yeah. Must be Santa or whatever the hell that song. It must be Santa. Yeah. Well, I was, <laughs> it's funny. I, was, I, I worked part-time at a Borders bookstore for like 12 years. And, Love Borders. Yeah. And we were... Um, we used to when when it was Christmas time, it was time to put up start playing Christmas music. Somebody would some jackass would always put that on there just to like fuck with people, and it, I think it like drove customers <laughs> out of the store. It's um, scary. I'm not a fan, but uh, I will say that, um, and I do love Rough and Rowdy Ways. I think it's a, actually a really it's good, good album. I kind of came to that album late, but it's it's you know it's pretty intense. And uh, what's that one that song about the the JFK? Um, that like 15 minute song that's on there. Murder yeah, most yeah, foul. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it, again. I don't think he's ever going to make another Highway 61 revisited. He's never going to make another Blood on the Tracks. But you know, he doesn't need to at this point. No. Well, getting getting Thomas into late period Dylan is its own episode because oh, I already tried. Yeah. And it that was its own episode. What's 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 the drop off? Oh, for it, you? early. I like Joker Man. Joker Man's great. You you probably lose me after Joker Man. I couldn't get him into uh, Time Out of Mind. He wasn't into it. Yeah, he didn't like it. Time out of mind is I, it, I like time out of mind, but I'm I'm I, I'm actually I actually prefer Oh Mercy. I think that's a better album personally, but that's just 
the the voice is pretty hard for me. I can't, I can't get over his his growl past a certain point. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you he's got a great voice. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you for respecting my <laughs> intelligence there. Um, I'm not gonna make an argument there. <laughs> so uh, now comes the time uh, for plugs. If anybody wants to share anything they got coming up, or Chris, where can we uh, find your work? What you're up to? Uh, just go to popmatters.com. Um, I've got three reviews that will hopefully be in the can by the end of the week. So Oof. hopefully you can check out those. And, uh, and again, the last one that I, that I wrote was, oh, and I did a great, uh, I did a um, 40th anniversary piece on Tom Waits' Swordfish Trombones mm. that uh, if you are not, That's good. if you were, thank you. If you're not a, if you're not a fan of that album, hopefully if you read that, you can learn about it. And I'd love to do a Tom Waits episode someday. You guys, if you guys haven't already done we it, haven't, that's an, another story for another time. We haven't, please. We, we do want you to come back. If this was enjoyable, we'd love to do this again. If it was, in, I had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Love deal. To. Um, and I hope you, the listener had a great time. Subscribe uh, to the podcast. So you never miss a future episode. You can follow losing my opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or X. X. And uh, Van Morrison, we're never going to understand the guy. And maybe that's for the best. I could be wrong now. I could be. Not a podcast artist. But I don't think so. That's good. That's a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll say so long, suckers. We'll see you next week. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody.